like code song and get ready for an amazing new episode. What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of White Coats Podcast. Today we are recording season six, episode three, mental health myths. Today is a really, really interesting episode. We're gonna break down four different myths related to mental health. Um I'm sure you guys didn't know these were true or you believe no. these myths. The, these so, are all new. These are all new. So we yeah, yeah, definitely gonna learn something. This we haven't brought any of this up in any previous episodes. So without further ado, Lauren, you have the floor. Myth number one. Okay, myth number one is that being mentally ill makes you quote unquote crazy. Now we hear all the time that that when someone is is weird or loud or eccentric, it's because they're mentally ill. Yet, no mental illness makes you crazy or loud or eccentric. You know, you have narcissism that makes you grandiose. You have psychopaths that are deceptive, but none of these are traits that you would look at someone and be like, oh wow, they're mentally ill. These are a lot of mental health, mental illness symptoms are sort of under the surface. And mm-hmm. it would actually take a therapist or psychiatrist to diagnose. And and nobody could just look at someone and say, they're mentally ill because, because they're crazy and they act weird. So I have and, one I have one question for that. Um, okay. kind of as a little rebuttal. What would you say? Um, to someone that kind of answered that with, well, what about schizophrenia? Okay, that's that's a great question. And it's it's hard because crazy is a really difficult judgmental word. Right. But what we don't realize is that schizophrenics are not always, you know, walking around town talking to random people. Right. It's schizophrenics true. are are normal human beings they're they're just they it's just their mind that that's going through some sort of psychosis they're they're seeing and hearing things that aren't there and it's not their fault yeah and it, it's not because they're acting weird or they're attention seeking none of that yeah it's just the type of mental illness the same way someone with anxiety would have racing thoughts for them right. It's they hear voices or or they have some some other sort of psychosis. And so another thing that I want to bring on to that is sometimes we see a lot of um, homeless people, you know, talking to themselves. And and a lot of times what we hear is, oh, they're crazy. They're they're seeing things, whatever. But it's not just schizophrenia. It's anxiety and depression also. If it goes untreated, you can experience psychosis. Psychosis is when you see and hear things that aren't there. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just schizophrenia that makes you have that. Even people with depression and anxiety can experience psychosis mm-hmm. and see things and hear things that aren't there. And so, you know, a normal person like you or I could be experiencing anxiety and depression, but you know, Maybe we have the resources and we know that we should go to therapy or whatever it is. Or mm-hmm. we know that we should go on medication and we get treatment for it. But it's hard when someone can't afford therapy and or can't 
doesn't have the resources to get treatment, that's when you start experiencing the psychosis when it goes untreated for so long. Right. And so I feel as though within the mental health space and mental illness space, there should be no vocabulary around crazy mm-hmm. because it's not their choice. It's it's what their genetics and environment brought onto them. Yeah. It's not like they're acting quote-unquote weird or eccentric due to mental illness some people are just loud or or dress funny (laughs) or whatever it is and it's not at all due to mental illness right and i think that just to add on to that crazy is a term that's Mm -hmm. not shouldn't really be used when talking about mental illness because it's not really the same at all actually um and when you're talking about crazy it has a bit little bit of a different connotation and more of a negative connotation right and it's not right to say that about someone that's struggling with a mental illness exactly um, because of that mental negative connotation and because of just this word that's completely unrelated to mental illness you know so it doesn't even have a correlation it just kind of use more of a word of judgment you know rather exactly facts and and so like you said, what about people that are schizophrenic? People that are schizophrenic versus anxious versus people who have OCD versus people with depression, it's just a different set of symptoms. Yeah. It, it doesn't change your character in any way. I think right. that's the biggest thing is, is someone could have a, a lot of people, a lot of times mental illnesses come in pairs. Um, like a lot of times there's, um, you know, there's sexual disorders that come along with PTSD. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times, BPD comes along with anxiety. There's a lot of things that come together. Yeah. And and even those people that have multiple mental illnesses can and are can still be great human beings and, mm-hmm. and fully functioning and be able to have jobs and families and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing here is just because you have... A symptom of psychosis or anxiety or depression it does not make you crazy it just means it's a symptom and it's something to work on yep definitely and and a big thing in this is that mental health problems happen in a lot of people and that leads us into our next one because because it's not just that one person that we saw on the street that yeah. that looks crazy therefore they're mentally ill it's there's a big there's a large amount of people that are actually struggling. So Arielle, why don't you tell us about the second myth? So myth number two, mental health problems are uncommon. This is a big myth and it kind of relates to mm-hmm. the a previous myth that we spoke about. But, um, you know, when you're talking about mental health, it's uh, not always something that you can see on the surface. It's something that's, you know, really an underlying issue. And just because, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, you don't know how someone is feeling um, doesn't mean you know they're okay or they have a mental illness or they don't have a m- mm-hmm. mental illness because it's something that's more internal and not all the symptoms like quote-unquote being crazy is something that you mostly see like another person would be able to look at you and they would probably call you crazy mm-hmm. you know that's usually how it works yeah. when you know you call another person crazy but you don't always know if someone is feeling uh, depressed or anxious or bipolar exactly. or you know you don't know these things so that it's not fair to assume that, you know, this is or is not common, which mm-hmm. mental health 
is unfortunately pretty common. Uh, in 2001, there was a study that uh, showed that one in four people struggle yeah. with mental health or mental illness. That's a mm-hmm. big number of people, 25%. Yeah. And that's recorded, you know, so... Right. And it was recorded in 2001. I can't even imagine. And there's been studies showing the, like, Increase. immense... Oh my God, like exponential growth of suicide rates and depressive symptoms that have gone up since like 2010 with, with cell phone use and social media. Mm-hmm. It is so prevalent now, especially yeah. this year, especially, yeah, 2020 no, that's what I'm with the say, pandemic. Like, right. It, from 2010, there was exponential growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's even a, another surge of growth just in this last year with the pandemic and everything mm-hmm. going on. And, you know, a lot of people are yeah. struggling. So, um you know, it's it's really, really unfortunate. And the most important thing I would say is, you know, reach out to a friend, but don't always assume that, you know, they're fine or they're, you know, don't always yeah. just because just because someone may look a certain way on the outside doesn't mean that reflects on how they're feeling on the inside. Exactly. Another statistic is that depressive symptoms have tripled during the pandemic, you know, in a recent study. Tripled. That's a huge, huge, huge increase. Yeah. Just, and the pandemic has just been going on for a little over a year now. So, yeah, I mean, and it's crazy. I mean, it makes sense because some depressive symptoms include lack of motivation, feelings of isolation and hopelessness. I mean, what better way to increase those symptoms and people struggling with that than put everyone in lockdown for however long, right. forever, right. until we figure out a solution. And and the pandemic is the exact way to do that. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about this this idea, like you were talking about, how you can't always tell when, when people are struggling. Um, I want to talk about the, the uh, this idea of high functioning depression high functioning anxiety now those are clinical terms not necessarily used to undermine how someone is feeling and say oh well th- well they have anxiety but they're doing so well in life so it's it's barely anxiety it's it's not it's it's when people are able to experience anxiety or depression whatever they're struggling with and sort of use it to their benefit i'll use an example of test anxiety a lot of people have a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. around academics and test taking and so therefore people with maybe high functioning anxiety will will say okay i'm stressed about this test i'm gonna study as hard as i can Mm -hmm. and so you might see someone who's excelling in school and has an incredible GPA and you think that they're perfect and everything's fine and they feel great and before they take a test, they know they're going to ace it. Not really. People, sometimes people use their their mental illness and their struggles and their fears to their benefit. And and in some ways it's so hidden with like high functioning mental illnesses. Definitely, definitely. I love that you touched up on that. Um, now we're going to move on to myth number three. Lauren, all you. Okay, so myth number three states that eating disorders only affect women. And I want to add on, eating disorders only affect young women. So many women of all ages experience eating disorders. I mean, the there's no limit to the age or gender that 
of someone that can experience eating disorders. I mean, there's a bunch of older women that experience it, but it's hard because the it's mostly young women that are represented when we're thinking of eating disorders. And actually men are affected by eating disorders because a lot of eating disorders are based around sort of body dysmorphia and, mm-hmm. and wanting to change the way that you look through food and exercise and, and different like purging habits. And, um, and a lot of that is based around um, body and physical standards that society puts on us. And, and, and the same way that women are expected to look skinny, for example, men are expected to be very lean and muscular. Yeah. You know, so there's no, you know, these uh, uh, unrealistic body standards are not, they're not discriminating. Yeah. They're very, exactly. unfortunately, very inclusive of yeah. everyone. Yeah. And, and uh, I just want to add on that, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the time we think that, or, you know, people think that, of course, that it only affects women, um, but that only women act on you know these thoughts that they may have on their bodies uh, like body dysmorphia mm-hmm. things like that but men as are just as affected and probably less likely to get help on these issues and exactly that, probably that's going to lead to your next point so i don't want to you know take the light off of your <laughs> myth but yeah um you know it's it's un- very unfortunate, like you stated, that, you know, mm-hmm. these these eating disorders are inclusive to everyone. Um, yeah. You know, men are as effective as affected and most likely or, you know, less likely to actually get help, which, you know, can worsen their symptoms, things along those lines. I don't want to take away from you, Lauren, so I'll let you add on right. that. Th- that's what I was going to say. So. Men account for what studies have shown is 10 to 25% of people struggling with eating disorders. Now, I want to talk about this shame around men and shame around men being vulnerable, especially when it comes to eating disorders. There's not very much conversation around it. That's part of the reason why we're bringing it up. And so this shame turns into a cycle. And so the more shame men feel around expressing their struggles with food or with um, working out or purging or whatever it is, whatever eating disorder behavior they're they're, um, participating in, um, the less likely they are to get help, right? The more we shame people, the less likely they are to admit that they're struggling with it. And then the more men that get worse, and the more right. men that experience eating disorders. and But at the same time, when you have more men getting eating disorders and more men getting more, more unhealthy and, and hurting their bodies even more, the, the less the number goes down or the more the number goes down. Mm-hmm. And so it's this really unhealthy cycle of men experiencing shame and getting worse but the number's not reflecting that. And Mm -hmm. so I would bet that men even make up 30% of eating disorders because there's still so much shame around it in society. You know, I'm just thinking of the times where I see guys on social media posting pictures at the gym. We never ever think 
oh, maybe they're really struggling with, with exercising right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the way that they're purging. Maybe this is the way that they're struggling. We think, oh, good for you. You know, you're, you're getting jacked or whatever. <laughs> but but yeah, maybe for some of those men taking selfies at the gym, this is like, this is part of their eating disorder and mm-hmm. part of their purging behaviors. And yeah. so I think a big part of what we can do around like mental health, mental wellness and mental health awareness is, is by talking about this, you know, it's, it's not just women that, that are feeling this. Yeah, very true. Um, and so why, why don't you, uh, lead us into our next one, myth number four. So myth number four states that only people with mental disorders need therapy, which is a really, Mm. really interesting myth because it's completely false. You don't need to be diagnosed with a mental disorder or experience any symptoms of a mental disorder or mental illness to get therapy, need therapy, or want therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of the times we think there's a correlation between the two, which there is. There's different types of therapies that, you know, can treat certain uh, uh, mental illnesses and, uh, you know, mental disorders, things along those lines. But it doesn't mean that 100% of the people that get therapy are mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Therapy has so many benefits, um, and really, at the end of the day, therapy is designed to make you feel better and you know take you mm-hmm. to another level of whatever you whatever your goal is. So another level of happiness, yeah. another level of you know so many different things, a fulfillment. What mm-hmm. a, you know, everyone you know has their own kind of goals, and uh, when when they go to therapy. Um, but a lot of people, you know, just want a yeah. safe space to talk about their problems and talk about, you know, the day-to-day things that, that are going on in their lives. Whereas there's mm-hmm. other people that, you know, need therapy with specific things. So, like, uh, how to deal with social anxiety and different tools, um, you know, when they're in a social situation that's making them anxious. So, it's, there's different types of therapies and different people that go to go to therapy for different reasons. I think a lot of the time when someone says um, they're going to therapy or people say, like, oh, you need therapy, is implying you're mentally ill. You have something, mm-hmm. quote unquote, something wrong with you. That's kind of the message they're relaying, um, you know, or you need help. You know, that's not something more, that's not really positive. You know, when people say that, they think like, oh, like, you know, something is wrong with you, you're not normal, you're crazy, things like this that we kind of talk about in the first myth, but it's not true. People that want to go to therapy want to better their lives, you know, they just want to feel better about themselves, have a a more fulfilled, more happy, you know, more exciting, more loving, more everything, Um, and so it's designed to take you to that next level, whether that may be you're really struggling and you're trying to, you know, get back on track or, you know, you're a happy person, but you want to really figure out how to take your happiness and take your life to the next level, how to spread this, how to share this with other people, um, things along these lines. Or you just want to save space to talk about your uh, talk about what's going on and you like to vent and get things off your chest. And it's nice to have someone that's kind of a stranger, can know everything about you and you don't know one thing about them, which is another, like, Mm -hmm. really weird but really interesting and cool thing about therapy i mean it's such a one-way thing but it's at the same time it's like can be the most helpful you know hour of the the week for you or you know however many times however often you go i you brought up three things that i want to touch on um 
the first one being this idea of stepping onto a whole other level as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, therapy, going to therapy is not about being sick. It's just about either you are struggling with something or you just want to become a better person. And and we mentioned this, I think I mentioned this a while ago. Um, therapy is about sort of becoming um, becoming a more effective person, whether that's becoming more affectionate towards mm-hmm. towards you know your boyfriend or or being a more connected friend or being or getting better at school or whatever it is it's just about being a more effective person being yeah. more wholehearted being more um just fully mindful and aware and so I think that's that's one thing that's really important. Another thing that I want to talk about that's unfortunate about mental health right now and where we're at with policy is to to be covered in therapy, you need to have a diagnosis. And so unfortunately, when you go to therapy to get covered by your insurance, your therapist needs to or your psychiatrist whoever it is needs to have a diagnosis um that qualifies with the dsm-5 that's the diagnostic criteria and um and the reason why i don't like this and the reason why this it could be harmful is because you're putting people in a box and and you're forcing you're ensuring this idea that to go to therapy you need to be mentally ill but you don't you don't need to have a diagnosis to be in there. And um, and so I think that's really important. And that's that is why we're talking so about it. so interesting. And I'm really glad you brought this up because mm-hmm. I had no idea. I mean, I, yeah. I knew that not all insurance covers uh, therapy. And, you know, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of the time people have to pay for therapy out of pocket and things like that. But I never knew that mm-hmm. there's this actual scale of diagnostics. And if you kind of fall into this box um, and have this kind of you know, title or name attached to you or disorder attached to your name, then, you know, that is that is a differentiating factor between someone that can go to therapy and, you know, get that covered, get covered. versus someone that, you know, can't get coverage. And what happens to people that need mm-hmm. coverage don't fall under this, what did you say, DSSR or something? DSM-5. DSM-5. That's the, yeah. Um, and they still need therapy, but they're not, you know fall under you know this box so that's kind of mm-hmm. a moral issue as well because you know that's that's also something that's unfortunate is you know some people really right. really need or want therapy and can't always afford it right and so it's it's interesting because a lot of people that are in therapy don't know about this but when you get your bills for therapy there's something called a dx code or a diagnostic code um and under it is a is a number it could be like could be f41.9 that's anxiety disorder unspecified for example um so so you're ready to be a therapist pretty much (laughs) (laughs) and 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 that number um goes along with what's called the icd-10 code which which is like the dsm-5 and this whole process and and policy forces you to have a diagnosis when people who are not mentally ill 
should and can go to therapy just to like I said before like you were talking about to be more effective person and last thing I want to talk about with this myth is that you brought up is this very unique relationship that you have with a therapist a lot of people don't know this about therapy but one of the most telling most integral parts of therapy is the relationship that you have with your therapist um you you should know very little about your therapist um they they shouldn't be checking your social media um they there's these certain boundaries that are up there's certain boundaries that are in place Mm -hmm. with between you and your therapist and because of that it it creates this safe space where you can say anything and everything and no other outside factors are getting in the way there's no judgments there's no um bias Mm -hmm. and we don't have that anywhere else in life with every single other person whether it's a person you're in a romantic relationship with or a friendship or a parent there's always some sort of bias there's always an a imbalance mm-hmm. but when you're so in therapy true. the balance is always in your favor it's always about you and it can be so healing and a lot of times what's healing about therapy is not necessarily just the tools that you learn and the the venting that you get to do but it's more so having someone that has faith in you that cares about you that's that's reassuring you that's one of the biggest parts about therapy that 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 makes it beneficial that makes you be the most effective person you can be lord you just blew my mind with the amount of knowledge you have of therapy um i'm I'm giving you a round of applause from afar because honestly unrelated to the podcast and the myth yeah. Wow, like you're so educated about this. I didn't even know how these things existed, let alone yeah. that you would enlighten me on these things. <laughs> so great job with that. Thank you. I'm very Thank impressed. You. I'm sorry, I did kind of take over your myth. No, but- no worries. You were supposed to be here teaching the audience and you're out here yeah. teaching me so i guess i'm part I of mean, the audience now. <laughs> that that's the best part about this podcast is you teach me about dentistry stuff you teach me about about business stuff because i don't know that stuff but <laughs> i i think it's it's really important for you for me for the audience to to listen and learn something um, it should definitely be enjoyable, but you know, to learn about what the DSM five is, yeah. it's one of the biggest parts it, about in diagnosing and learning about the ICD ten, which is the biggest code that they use or the code that they use mm-hmm. to um, to to for people to cover insurance. Like, I think it's so important that especially if you're in therapy to know what these different things are on your bills or or how how are they diagnosing me with anxiety you know oh, yeah i think it's it's so important and uh that's i mean that's why we're doing it so i'm glad you're you're uh, <laughs> learning something yeah thank you so so we have uh, one last myth. one last myth uh lauren you can start us off and i'll kind of add on after you okay. 
Myth number five, go for it. Okay, so myth number five is that addiction is a choice. Now, I'm more specifically talking about substance use disorders, things like alcohol and different types of drugs and stuff. Um, a lot a lot of ways other types of addictions um, are, are also not a choice. But, but more specifically when it comes to substance use, um, I think it's really unfortunate when we hear about people that have gotten addicted to alcohol or, or whatever they're experiencing. And, and the first thing that a person says is, why don't you just stop? Or why'd you get started in the first place? Like, or yeah. why don't you just have a drink when, when you're trying to be sober? Who cares? You can just have one drink. And Perfect. I love that you added that because nobody knows. A lot of people don't realize that there's, when someone is, you know, has experiencing substance abuse or trying to recover from substance abuse things along these lines that there's actually underlying issues that lead up to the point of you know trying this drug getting addicted you know trying Mm -hmm. to get clean things along these lines people don't realize that there's a lot of underlying factors that lead you to get to this point and it's not just you know one time this like you know there's many factors many circumstances that uh, in someone's life that kind of lead you to the point of you know trying something getting addicted to something genetics uh circumstances so many things that it's you know not just black or white Mm -hmm. there's no clear-cut um you know answer or cause yeah um i and i think that's the most important part in explaining this is is explaining how yeah that person did take a drink and yes, that person did buy that substance or whatever. Right. And and that that they're they're held accountable for. Whether or not you're addicted, you bought that drink or whatever right. it is. But yeah. it's it's everything that comes before that and everything that's subconscious that gets them addicted. The addiction is not a choice. And right. so I wanna start this off by by saying I read a book years ago called High. And um It was written actually by the same creators of the movie Beautiful Boy, which is about, based on a true story of a boy that um, creates a substance or gets a substance abuse addiction. And, um, And at the end of this book, it gave a quiz. Um, that, that pretty much assessed your likelihood to get addicted to a substance. And it was interesting. Some of the questions included, you know, have you ever considered, have you ever struggled with mental illness? Um, have you ever struggled with your identity? Have you ever, have your parents been divorced? So there's all these different circumstances and pretty much any sort of adversity or trauma can make you more susceptible to addiction. That's one. Another thing is genetics. Have people in your family in the past um, had an addiction? Um, that makes you more susceptible to it. And so your circumstances, the adversity and trauma you experience, and your genetics make you make you more susceptible to this addiction. And at that point, it's out of your control. And it's not your choice. And unfortunately, people maybe in like lower income backgrounds or, or don't who don't have um, drug education, 
don't understand the severity of these substances, don't understand how addictive these substances can be. And so I think those three factors, education, genetics, and adversity, are all these three factors that we don't have any really control over. And that's why addiction isn't a choice, is because one person can pick up a drink and they'll be fine, an alcoholic drink, and they'll be fine because Mm -hmm. they have no addiction in their family because they took drug education in school and they know how much is too much. Mm -hmm. And also because they don't have certain types of adversity in their life that would make them want to use that as a coping mechanism. When you have another person that would pick up an alcoholic drink and be more susceptible to it. Yeah. And um, it's unfair, but that's just how it works. And that's why we can't, we can't say to people that their addiction is their choice because it's not. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you 100%. And I think you really gave a really well-rounded and answer that's very educational because this is a huge uh, myth and misconception that a lot of people believe. And, you know, I think it's really important to spread awareness of all the myths that we talked about today because... Um, these are things that a lot of people believe. I feel like the general public would probably believe most of these things, including myself at some point in my life. And I think that it's really important to actually get educated on the truth revolving, you know, mental health and, you know, people that are struggling. And I think the biggest theme within this episode is this idea of combating shame Mm -hmm. around mental health, mental illness, everything. Right. We talked about shame in men around eating disorders. We talked about shame in people who are struggling. We talk about how sometimes people shame people by calling them crazy, but really it's just, it just whatever, um, mental illness. We talked about how, how, um, you need to be, you need to be sick or mentally ill to be in therapy and there's shame around people with addictions because they just made a bunch of bad choices. And Mm -hmm. those are all wrong. And I think that's why we're talking about it is because the more you talk about it, the less shame there is around the decisions that you're making. Yeah. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and you learned something and you implement this into your life and really eliminate that shame, both for other people that are struggling with mental illness, but also for yourself. There is no shame in getting help, whether you are experiencing experiencing symptoms or not if you want to become a happier more effective person and you need help get the help you need Mm -hmm. and we'll see you in the next one see ya